You're listening to the profession's greatest physical therapist, Their Past, Our Future podcast. We're your hosts, Ethan Mitchell and Joey Stewart, first-year physical therapy students at Angelo State University. This is the podcast that is made to inspire pre-PTs, SPTs, and current physical therapists to become the greatest versions of themselves, physically, mentally, academically, financially, and spiritually. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome to The Greatest Physical Therapist, Their Past, Our Future Podcast. This is Ethan. This is Joey. And we're so excited to have Christine on the show today. She is uh, Bridge the Gap DPT on Instagram. And uh, we're super excited to help share what she has to say. How are you doing today, Christine? Um, I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on your show. Of course, the pleasure's all ours. Thank you again for willing to be on it. So to kick things off, Christine, um, PT school acceptance is not easy for anybody, as I'm sure you know, as I'm sure we know. Yep. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what it took to apply to PT school and your story of acceptance? Sure. So I graduated from James Madison University. That's in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Go Dukes! And I majored in kinesiology with a concentration in exercise science. So I graduated and I took a gap year to become a personal trainer. So I did that for a year while I was applying to honestly a small handful of PT schools because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And luckily I got in my first try, which it's very common to not. So I also want to say, don't feel discouraged if you don't get in on your first try. Um, But I had applied to some Virginia schools and then I was just chilling for a while. And then I just had a feeling that I might not get into PT school. Mm -hmm. So I started looking up some other schools and I found one school. So University of New England, which is where I ended up going um, because my brother goes there for grad school. He went there for marine biology and I saw that they had rolling admissions. So I applied at the end of February and most schools closed, I think October 31st or something. So I applied just, you know, for fun. I thought it'd be funny. And then I got an interview a couple weeks later and then I got in a few weeks later and that was the only school I got into. So kind of funny how I ended up there, but all you need is one. (laughs) That's it for sure. So just out of curiosity, um, how important do you think that gap year was for you and that time Uh, between undergrad and getting in? Super important because I finally got to have some real world experience. And that's what I felt like gave me an edge over a lot of my other classmates is that for a whole year, I was meeting a ton of different people. I was doing assessments. I was working with all these different personality types, injuries, getting people stronger, losing weight, whatever their goal was. And it just gave me exposure to work with a lot of different people. And I felt like, so I have a background in sports and lifting. And so I was able to kind of teach that to other people, which is super important skill to have as a PT. Um, And so I feel like having that exercise prescription background going into PT school, I was better than any of my classmates prescribing exercise. And I still feel like that's one of my strengths today as a PT. Um, But I was maybe in my class of 60, 
one of like maybe four that were not PT techs before going into PT school. Um, so it's kind of funny that they were exposed to, you know, all your classic PT exercise things, but I still felt like I was a lot better off than they were. So I always tell people, if you can be a personal trainer before PT school or even during, I think that it helps a lot. Yeah. And our roommate, uh, Pat, he's also a personal trainer along with probably like what five of our classmates. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's super valuable as a PT, you know, being out in the real world and knowing how to properly load people and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but to your Instagram, we love bridge the gap PT. We love all of your informational posts and, uh, just uh, all the highlights that you put on there. Um, but can you expand a little bit on your mission with your Instagram account? What's the purpose and uh, what's uh, the message you mainly try to get across on there? Yeah, so honestly, I, I started out without really having a good reason why. Um, but I just had some mentors and people that I looked up to that just said, you know what, just start. And whatever happens, but just start. So it was definitely out of my comfort zone. I contemplated it for a long time. And, you know, if I even, if anyone would even listen to me, if anyone would even follow me, you know, um, but then it just started. And I guess originally it was to just educate the public about what physical therapy is because most don't know what it is. And honestly, when I got into PT school, I realized that I didn't, know most of what PTs did besides a small little portion of outpatient PT. Um, So I just wanted to educate them on kind of what it is and how it could help them. And now I feel like it's kind of shifted to not all PTs or PT clinics are created equal. (laughs) And I preach that a lot on my Instagram. And I always say, you know, research the clinic that you want to go to because you have to learn a lot in PT school. So they teach you the, the basics about everything. So you have to know a little bit about everything. Um, and I felt like sports PT, the niche that I ended up in, is not covered very well in PT school at all. <laughs> so some schools have a strength and conditioning class, and I think that's really awesome. Some people don't. We had one day, I think, of it. <laughs> um, so we had classmates that, don't, don't know how to cue a squat or how to cue a deadlift, which like kills me, <laughs> but that's the reality of a lot of clinics or you'll get PTs that don't even work out or don't even exercise. So they don't mm. practice what they preach. And I think just getting out of pain is one thing and getting someone back to quote unquote, quote unquote baseline, um, where they're just not in pain and able to do what they were doing. But where I am is trying to bridge that rehab to performance um, setting, that's really hard. (laughs) And not a lot of PTs can do that. Um, And they just have to know the demands of the sport and kind of what it takes. And that just because they're not in pain anymore doesn't mean that they're ready to go back to sport. Yeah. Um, So I guess that's like one aspect. And also I heard this crazy stat that, you know, however many billions of dollars our our healthcare system um, spends on people with low back pain, only um, doctors will send only 8% of their patients with low back pain or issues 
to a physical therapist. And so I feel like a lot of clinic owners are fighting over that 8% of like fighting over those referrals. And so I'm trying to talk to the 92% that don't even know what physical therapy is. Um, kind of show them a little bit about what I do as far as sports rehab, um, even some lower level things. Um, sometimes I'll talk about arthritis, which is, you know, the older generation and, and hit them um, and realize that there's a lot of options for them too. And they have direct access and maybe if their back hurts, think first, like, Hey, let me try going to PT instead of let me set up an appointment with my doctor to probably get some muscle relaxers be told to rest for four to six weeks and come back if it's not better to then get an MRI. That's not really going to tell us anything to get referred to PT. (laughs) So so long, too, too long for how how it should be. And you Mm -hmm. can probably just cut all that out. Go to PT. Mm -hmm. It's so much cheaper. The patients get um, better quicker because they're not in pain for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time before it's actually addressed. And a lot of times if people get imaging, it can make them think that their injury or their pain is worse than it actually is. So if we could just avoid all that and try to get better treatment to begin with, then let's do that. Yeah, seriously. And we really appreciate your mission of trying to get the word of physical therapy out to the public and really helping to bridge the gap of (laughs) and strength and conditioning. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Hey, you know, it was perfect, perfect chance. I had to go with it. If I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> or if you weren't out there. Um, but I just had another question, Joey. Sorry. Oh, you're not uh, but in addition to like, you know, ed- educating the public is, I'm curious, you work at Healthy Baller. So with uh, Wesley Wong and Teddy Wilsey, who is strength coach therapy on Instagram, very well known. Is that kind of how you got in contact with, with them? through uh, Instagram or? Yeah, so I did get in contact with them through Instagram, but probably not how you would think. Mm. So um, so how we originally got connected is I was studying to take my boards early before I graduated. Um, so that's in April, graduated in May. And then the next time that they offer the test is July. I think they offer it four times a year. So um when I went into PT school, there was only a handful of people that took it early. And those were the really bright PT students. Mm -hmm. So I looked at them and I thought to myself, Hmm, maybe in three years, I would like to, I would like to try to prove to myself that, you know, I belong here. So fast forward, um, I feel good. And I, I'm studying to take the boards in April and I go to sign up and I miss the sign up date Mm -hmm. by two days. (laughs) And so I was, I was really upset. I cried a lot. And then I just made an Instagram post for me. Normally I, I use all my hashtags locally and then about whatever my post is about, um, to try to get as many views as possible. But this post, I didn't use any hashtags. I just made it for me because I didn't want people to ask me in April if I had passed my boards. And then I didn't want to explain to everyone that I missed the sign up date. So I just made a post kind of just just talking about it and just putting it out there and letting it be known that that happened. And somehow Wesley found that post and he reached out to me and said, Hey, this is a lot more common than you think. I've, I've heard that this happens to a lot of people. Just keep your head up. You're going to do great things. 
And <laughs> I was definitely floored. I, I messaged him back and, and said, hey, thanks for the kind words. It really means a lot. I've been following you for about a year. Huge fan. Love what you're doing. Love working with ACLs too. So just love your page. And we got to talking and just kind of hit it off. And he, uh, he asked me where I was located. I was on clinical in Tennessee at the time, but I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. They're in Rockville, Maryland. So it's about 40 minutes away. Okay. So he said, hey, whenever you're back, if you want to stop by our clinic, feel free, shout out, hang out. And I was like, yes, absolutely. As soon as I get back, I think I went the next day or two <laughs> once I got back from clinical. And then I hung out there a lot of the summer. I said, however long you guys will have me in your clinic, I will be here yeah. <laughs> just to learn from you guys. Um, they would let me run some of their sessions too, which was pretty fun. Um, and all their, their strength coaches, everyone there is super cool. They have a great um, cultural environment, like awesome place to work. Um, and so I ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, just because I, I love that area. I had a clinical there and decided I would move there after I graduated. And then I guess it was a couple of months ago, uh, I had responded to Teddy's story about something, something that I thought was funny. And he, he messaged me back saying, hey, it's been a while. We should, we should probably catch up, which I thought was weird because Teddy's so busy. He has so much stuff on his plate. Uh-huh. And like to talk to me, to catch up with me. So I was like, okay, sure. And he asked if he could call me and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. And then he, he called me, asked if I wanted the job and told him I'd pack my bags and be right there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's kind of the, the full loop story about how I got connected with them. And now I'm working there. <laughs> Wesley and uh, Teddy, you know, they just sound like stand up guys. It's super amazing that uh, Wesley just, you know, reached out to you like that and just mm-hmm. offered support. And uh, we're so happy for you that you found your dream job at Healthy Baller. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And um, so I think that would be awesome for our listeners to hear a little bit of your advice for new grads who hope to find their dream job and maybe what they should do. I think you gave a great example already, of, you know, getting to know the PTs, um, shadowing and stuff. Uh, but what is some more of your advice about how they should go about finding their dream job? Um, So I would definitely say find the people in your field and in your setting that are doing exactly what you want to do and reach out to them, connect, um, see who they're connected with and just kind of network as much as you can and talk to people and see how they got there. Exactly what you guys are doing, which I think, your platform is really awesome. And with your podcast, if you can, the more that you can connect with people and ask them how they got there, I think is really important because the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know, is so true. (laughs) Like I I remember the feeling that I had um, scrolling through Instagram. I, I think I was maybe a second year PT student and I had been following strength coach therapy for a while now, a long time. He's one of the big accounts that I, I really followed and helped shape my philosophy as a PT, which is probably why I'm such a good fit <laughs> there now. Um, but I remember his location was tagged as Washington, D.C. And I didn't know that. I, I, had, I guess I had no idea where he was. 
And so I clicked on the clinic, realized he was in Maryland. And I thought to myself, wow, this would be so cool if I got to work with Teddy. That would, that would just be awesome. Immediately followed with the thought of, no, nah, he could have literally any PT that he wants to work for him because he has thousands and thousands of hundreds of followers. <laughs> um, and so I don't think imposter syndrome is something that ever really goes away as I still talk to people ahead of me in the field and tell them things that I still feel um, that I can improve on. Um, and they still tell me, hey, I'm still working on things like that. If you forget to do it one day, just check check next time that they come in or you'll have, I realize that you'll have days where you feel like a rock star and everyone comes in and has no pain and it's been doing great. And then could be the next time all those people come back in, they're feeling worse, have a lot of pain. (laughs) So you just never know. It's a very, obviously like rehab isn't linear and we all want it to be. And it can be frustrating when there's little dips and ebbs and flows in the rehab process. Um, Or even just in your growth professionally and personally. Um, But I don't know, just keep digging, just keep connecting to, um, to connecting to the people in your field that you want. And then don't listen to the people that aren't doing what you want to do. So many people, even on my, my coworkers from my clinicals, um, once I started looking into cash BT and getting curious about that, um, which for our listeners, if you don't know what cash BT is, it's, um, a fee for service. So where I work at healthy baller, it's $150 a session and they pay for that up front. And then we give them insurance forms so they can submit to their insurance and their insurance can reimburse them. But that way we can spend an hour one-on-one, give them really good quality service, not working with a tech, not working with assistant, um, and just good, good care. So, um, Lots of people have told me, oh, you can't do that. That's not going to work. Da, 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 da. And it's like, don't listen to those people because they're not doing it. <laughs> listen yeah. to the people that are doing it. Um, so Great. that's a big piece of advice that I have. Yeah. Listen to the people who are doing what you want to do 10 years from now. Yeah. Exactly. Or five years from now. So it's, uh, yeah. it's crazy because a lot of people will tell you also as a new grad, um, there's definitely a big stigma when new grads coming out, like you guys haven't earned the right or you guys don't know enough how to rehab and it's not true. (laughs) I feel like, um, so in our field, there's a lot of people that still have their bachelor's or their master's and still treat like it's the early two thousands and that research hasn't come out about how to better their treatments. And we're coming out with our doctorates and I don't mean to sound like an arrogant new grad which Mm. I feel like we get tagged with all the time oh you're an arrogant new grad but (laughs) we do know a lot we learned a lot in school Mm. we do have very good treatment approaches not to say that we know everything because there's a still time that we don't know and still striving to learn from but um but we can get people better (laughs) you don't have to be in the field for years and years and years to feel like you're worthy to charge um what you want to charge or to get people better so don't let that deter you either, students and new grads. It's all the same goal at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Boom. So, Christine, what is the importance of mentorship for new grad and student physical therapists? 
Um, so I think this topic is so important because I just really wouldn't be where I am today without it. So I guess I'll give the two um, mentorship cohorts that I've been a part of a little shout out. Um, <laughs> so the first one um, I entered when I was a second year PT student. So back then it was called Smart Success PT, which I believe now it's Smart Success Healthcare because so Greg Todd has opened it up to um, OTs, chiropractors, uh, massage therapists. I think we have some doctors in that group too. Um, and that was kind of just really opened the door to different opportunities that were out there for really driven PTs. I just wanted a little bit more than working a classic nine to five in a clinic and just kind of learning about different opportunities that are out there. And then the second mentorship cohort, which I just applied to be a mentor for, um, is the level up initiative. So they focus on kind of growth mindset communication, which we've talked about a lot. And then just honing in those critical thinking skills to just kind of empower that next wave of clinicians coming out to, um, empower our patients and, and make them feel good in that rehab journey. Yeah. And I've actually heard a lot uh, from a Zach Gabor and Steph Allen. They're the ones who run it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very inspiring dude. So that's really cool. Yeah, no, they're really awesome. I actually just got, um, done with a, it wasn't a course, it was a conference. So level up initiative and the clinical athlete teamed up and the clinical athlete is really awesome. They, they have a podcast, they have an Instagram page, and that's really tailored to um, like high-end athletes and getting them back to sport. So they have some really smart people there. So that team up was was just really awesome. Definitely 10 out of 10, recommend. <laughs> so cool, yeah. And uh, hoping uh, PT students consider a uh, clinical athlete and level up and uh, smart success healthcare with Greg Todd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those have just, really launched my career in a way that I can't even, <laughs> I would say put into words, but all those culminated to me landing my dream job. And that is a fact that there's no way that I could have landed this job at Healthy Baller without, um, definitely without SSPT for sure. And then the Level Up initiative I did um, earlier this year, but I mean, it definitely helps all these little things just really help that you can tack on here and there to make yourself better personally and professionally. Yeah. Really cool. Thanks for that answer. Thank you. Yeah. And so I feel like a new grads, you know, coming out of school, uh, there's a bunch of like companies like, Hey, you got to take this dry needling course. Hey, like there's this manual therapy course. It's, you know, you know, 25% off or whatever. And like, I feel like, new grads can be like pushed on, like taking a bunch of like extra education and courses like that. What is your take on that? Do you think it's necessary to take those courses to get ahead of the curve? No, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of courses that I've taken since I've graduated or certifications. I got my dry needling certification, but that's only because the clinic that I worked for was really pushing for that. And they really mm -hmm. wanted someone at their clinic to be able to needle and they paid for it. So I said that I would go. Yeah, <laughs> um, still, like learning how, yeah. So, so I did it and I, 
I use it some, um, and, and you kind of mentioned that manual therapy, the more that I talk to, um, clinicians that have been out for years and years and years, uh, <laughs> like a global theme that they all seem to say is that, you know, I wish I didn't spend so much money on these manual therapy courses. It's not that specific. It's just kind of global movement, um, and desensitization, desensitization. <laughs> that works. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd say a little, and I went to a school that was very manual. Um, our professors had, you know, like their, their fellowships and we learned a lot and I thought manual was really awesome. And I even wanted to get my massage license once I got out of school because some of our teachers had that. And I just thought it was really cool. And I think the power of touch is also very important, but not necessary. Not saying that I don't use manual therapy at all. Maybe I'll use it. I don't know if it's warranted. <laughs> so I might use it in the beginning of the session. And then once we kind of gain that range of motion or decrease their pain, okay, now let's load them up. So that's a big philosophy of mine. So um, I don't know. I don't have any great courses. I've heard actually Ice Physio, hmm. um, their, their courses. I've heard really good things about those, but I might not be the best person to ask because I haven't taken a ton of courses since yeah. I graduated. <laughs> I think a one course I may be interested in is, uh, have you heard of Greg Lehman? Um, he mm-hmm. has pain science courses and mm-hmm. so pain science is something that I, I get really geeked out about. And so maybe, <laughs> maybe after a while, that's something I might be interested in. Yeah. I've definitely read some easily pain science books. Um, I think Adrian Lowe has a, why do I hurt book? That's 20 or 30 pages breaks it down super easily. Um, and then another book that I really like was called sticks and stones. So with the concept, you know, sticks and stones, uh, can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But in the PT world, the words that we use are so important and can stick with our patients for so long. So I always try to be very careful about the words that I use and try to encourage and empower my patients and I really focus on their strengths and then when I mention their deficits I kind of say oh yeah we have a little bit of these but we're going to tackle this and here's what we're going to do and then I just kind of you know I mention it but then it's like here's how we're going to fix it and then get you back to what you want to do and I don't fixate on what's wrong or what they're lacking or all those things because I feel like so many times we go to whatever healthcare professional and then we feel worse coming out because they just fixate on this is the worst arthritis I've ever seen. I don't know how you're walking or like, I don't know, whatever it is. And like all those words stick with patients for a long time. <laughs> yeah. The classic one I always think of is um, whenever like patients refer to like their good leg and then they say bad leg, um, PGs I work with and then eventually start sticking with me like, not bad leg, improving leg, or not bad shoulder, improving shoulder. And I think that does make a world's difference as far as like Mm -hmm. getting excited about therapy and just implementing like a positive mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I have to catch myself doing that too. So I'll say, Oh, you're affected leg. So that's something I'll try to use too. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. I've been hearing a lot about, uh, we always hear about the placebo effect, but the nocebo effect doesn't get enough tension. The nocebo is uh, placebo's evil twin. I feel like uh, 
and you know just the medical the biomedical model just the regular like kind of like doctor like looking at your labs and treating you off your labs they'll um say words that to patients like oh you're bone on bone and and your imaging just you're gonna get you're gonna need a knee replacement you're gonna need a hip replacement and i feel like a there's a nocebo effect that uh, lots of clinicians may be using that could mm-hmm. be inf- negatively influencing their patients. So I feel like that's a, hopefully our generation of physical therapists helps all medical fields get away from the nocebo effect. Yeah, I hope so. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. And especially for, for imaging findings, I like to say like make abnormal imaging normal again, because there's so many tears, um, like meniscus, shoulder, labrum, rotator cuff, whatever you want to do. Um, I've seen cool studies that say, honestly, your contralateral side probably looks the same, even though you only have pain on one side. And then who's to say that that tear wasn't there before you had pain or vice versa. Um, yeah, but language is huge. It's super important. I'm always, sometimes I'm thinking really hard and I've had patients say, I see the wheels turning in your brain. Like, what are you thinking? And I, I know what I'm thinking, but I have to say it in a way that's not going to make them feel um, worse or bad about their, their journey for, for rehab. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like sometimes with patients, you have to quote unquote de-educate some of the things that providers in the past have said? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to be, <laughs> I'm trying to be a lot better at this because no one loves, you know, um, being told that they're wrong or because, so I'll, I'll get patients that either go to other PTs or, or chiropractors or, you know, whoever, and then they'll have this narrative that their, their hips keep popping out of place or they're, they're out of alignment and they have to do this to get back in alignment so that they're, they're good. And my, my first year out, um, I'm, so I'm trying to be better at this, but I would always kind of make a face like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I realized like they, they also have a relationship with their chiropractor. I know many people go to them for years and, and they really like them. And why wouldn't they listen to someone with authority in a medical field that went to school for this and they know more about the body than they do. So like, oh yeah, of course they told me this why wouldn't I believe them? And then to come to me and then me kind of bash that theory, not like bash, but I, yeah, I used to be like, yeah, okay. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but now I'll just be like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. And then, and then I'll, I'll slowly, I'll try to build that rapport. And then maybe it's not something that I tackle the first or second or even third session. I'll just kind of, I'll just, talk about my philosophy of them, like getting strong and say like, Hey, if we can get you really strong, then your body will be able to handle all these things. And like, you'll, you know, and then maybe you won't have pain once you're a lot stronger. And then I'll just keep pushing that narrative. (laughs) So it's like a lot of times I'd say it's not my job or it's my job to work um, with the structure that I'm given. So whatever body is coming to me, like I'm going to work in this parameter to help you get better. <laughs> yeah, sure. I could definitely see that though. I mean, I think some patients have a lot of care or like have a lot of trust with some of their 
um, chiros or doctors that they've, they've been seeing for years. And I mean, I'm sure they're well-intentioned in treating the patient, but it could lose some trust if you like, oh no, your doctor or your chiro is completely wrong. So I guess you kind of got an easier way through those situations like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to talk about the pyramid of um, who's top dog of people's treatments, it's, you know, their primary care physician, or maybe they've been going on for years and years and years. So obviously those people really trust them and I have to respect that relationship. And I would never want to undermine another healthcare professional. And then that can make them second guess them and me and then not have trust there. So there's a lot of background psychology too that goes into evals and just developing relationships with people. And um, it's like therapy is a really intimate thing, especially if people are in a lot of pain and they've been in pain for a long time and they're frustrated and their friends are frustrated with them, their family, like they're tired of hearing about it. Um, Sometimes these people just need to be listened to and not be told that they're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like as physical therapists, uh, this profession has one of the greatest opportunities just to listen. Like, you know, PTs have more time with patients than 99 other, 99% of other professions. So I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So to kind of cap this off and kind of our hallmark question, and we've honestly been kind of gravitating toward this question with this conversation. Um, what is your definition of a great physical therapist? <laughs> okay. Um, So I would say a great physical therapist is someone that's not only really great technically, like someone that can get someone out of pain quick and get them back to their goals. Yes, that is the goal. And that's really awesome. But I think the journey and friendship that you share with some of these Mm. patients is also really important too. So being able to listen (laughs) to their, to your patients, um, validating, their pain, validating their feelings, um, and then being able to communicate well. So being able to communicate what you think is going on, um, your thought process. Some people are more interested than others about what's going on. Some people just sort of like, all right, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I don't really care (laughs) what's going on, um, like on the physiological level. Um, but I think those, someone that can, yeah, communicate that, listen, um, get them better <laughs> and lay out just like a good plan of where they are now and kind of where they want to be and make that rehab process very um, easily understandable because we've seen, you know, lots of diagnoses before we've seen patients go through it. So we kind of know, we've seen the patterns, we kind of know what to expect. They could be completely new to this and have no idea what to expect. And that in itself can make it scary. <laughs> so lay it out, communicate them, empower them. Um, all the, those things I think are, are really important. And when you miss the mark on some of those, like some of my classmates, super bright would ace all their PT school tests, but I would always just want to be a fly on the wall to see one of their sessions because their bedside manner is just very flat, mm. very just, monotones i've always just been curious about you know some people (laughs) so if if my patient um has fun if they're laughing they want to come back they learn something that session all that is really important to me yeah that's amazing i think uh you mentioned just 
going, taking the patient through the journey with you, um, using those people skills, the communication skills, building that relationship. You know, if you don't build that relationship, how long are they going to even stay at physical therapy? They might go to two, three sessions, and, you know, bolt. So I think that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. And honestly, some, um, I still talk to some of my patients who from when I was a student on clinicals to even my last job, um, and we'll meet for lunch sometimes and just hang out. And some of those people, I didn't get better. Like they're, they're still in pain. They're actually really complex cases, mm. but I tried so hard and I listened, even when I was a student, um, and it kind of floored my mind. My CI just was kind of short with her and be like, Oh, don't worry. Stairs are the last thing that's, that's going to come. Like she had a knee replacement and a scope. She's pretty young. She was in her fifties, but just, mm. uh, she would bend her knee and say, you know what? I just, it doesn't feel right. I feel like there's a javelin in my knee when I bend mm. it. And obviously like I haven't had that much experience. That was my first outpatient rotation, but I knew that wasn't right. And so I would just sit there and I would, I listen and be like, Hey, that, that doesn't sound right. I'm not really sure what's going on. And just being um, transparent about what you know and what you don't know. And I think your patients will appreciate when you say, Hey, I, I don't know what's going on, but we can try to tackle some of like your symptoms and we can try this and this and this. And so we tried a lot of different things and she didn't end up getting better, but we're still really good friends to this day. And she'll still call me and she'll, she'll tell me that she's getting an MRI and what I think, and if she should go in for a second surgery. And like we met as I was a student. So it's kind of crazy. Um, You're not going to get everyone better as a PT. And that's something that you have to accept. But I think your patients will realize um, if you're doing everything you can and you, and you listen to them, um, that'll go a really long way. That's amazing. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a wrap for the show today. I think this was, you know, one of our best shows yet. I mean, we all had a few, but still, <laughs> it was a great one. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm honored. <laughs> Every show is our best show because these are the greatest people now. So, true, true. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you guys can just stop. You guys can retire because then I know your next show is going to be your best show. So, <laughs> yeah. You're retiring now after having Christine. But uh, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Uh, we just want to ask, where can our listeners find you on social media and learn more from you? Um, they can follow me on Instagram. My handle is uh, bridge the gap underscore DPT because I'm bridging the gap from rehab to performance. Everyone always asks me why that's my handle. Why, why bridge the gap? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I figured I'd just plug that a little explanation. Why? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. Let's go. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your night. Thanks, you too. That was such a fun show with Dr. Christine Sweezy. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at bridge the gap underscore DPT. And that would be awesome if you guys enjoyed the show to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just share with one friend. We'd really appreciate that and we really appreciate you guys listening. Have a great one. Stay frosty.